I said, oh, crap. Now what do I do? <laughs> now you got a boat. Now I got a boat. And I got to find out what. And, and I haven't told my wife. Now the moon turns the harbor a silvery blue As the old wooden ships groan and glisten And she makes her way down to the end of the pier Silent and straining to listen Hello everybody, it's February 11th, Sunday as I record this, just a few days after I posted the last episode, but that was uh, what we were hoping for. I was planning on getting some interviews done, and we've got a good one for you today. It's going to turn out being part one of two parts from yesterday's interview with Jim Garrett. Jim's a good friend of mine, member of the Where River Yacht Club. He's currently the fleet captain there. Uh, Jim and I have been sailing together for a while now, but uh, when we started the Splice the Main Brace podcast, the intent was to get together with everyday sailors and just talk sailing or talk boating or talk the water. And that's what we did with Jim today. So he was gracious enough to invite me down to his boat Patriot at Wormley Creek Marina in Yorktown. We spent almost two hours talking, so that's why it's going to be two parts. We'll have part one today and part two will be out uh, shortly. And we're already planning parts three and four, so we've got some topics to discuss uh, in future interviews as well. But in the meantime, we'll have some other episodes uh, in between, hopefully with some more interviews. So I started off talking with Jim about sailing in the early days uh, around the York River, lower Chesapeake Bay back in the 70s and 80s, how it's kind of just opportunity met. Jim ended up on a sailboat, no idea that it would end up, his sailing life would be what it ended up being. But uh, along the way, he ran into some famous sailors, uh, had some good times with families and friends, had some harrowing experiences, uh, as we probably all have. Without further ado, here's part one of my talk with Jim Garrett. Hey, good morning, Jim. Thanks for having me down to your boat. I appreciate it. It's been a while. We've been kicking this idea around for a bit, but I'm glad we finally found the, the, the spot in the calendar to get together. So thanks for having me down here. Ab- absolutely. Thank you for for putting this together and i'm looking forward to sharing with you what i can awesome um yeah yeah, we're um yeah you know just looking to get stories of regular sailors out so there's plenty of stuff out there about all the g whiz uh you know sail gp and around the world stuff but uh this is the this is the story of the rest of us that uh that do our thing so if we would maybe get us started just uh, tell us a little bit about jim and sure. a little bit about where we're at here uh, about the boat and the marina sure absolutely and there is a lot more of just us than there are the other guys <laughs> that's for sure <laughs> there's a lot of us um so jim garrett uh just for the for, for um for the crowd um we're currently sitting on our my wife's in my catalina 34 mark ii uh renamed patriot um, we didn't do the ritualistic <laughs> process of Uh-oh. renaming. We didn't do that. We, <laughs> we prayed about it, and uh, we, we arrived at Patriot because we're, um, when you have a boat that's in Yorktown <laughs> and you put uh, the hailing port as Yorktown, Virginia, it just made sense. Um, so uh, I got with a, a logo company up in New York that I'd seen at uh, one of the boat shows. Anyway, did a beautiful job, so we named, renamed it Patriot. So 2000, Mark 
for you know a little bit about this boat because you spent you spent some time yeah on we've it. got a little history got a little, together got a little history moving the boat about 185 miles so uh, we're in Wormley Creek which is just off of the York River it's a stone's throw really from uh, from Yorktown from from the, the historic area um, where uh, I think most people know in, in 1791 the, the British were defeated thanks to the help of uh, uh, Rochambeau and and all the French naval guys that came in, which I think certainly ties in with, <laughs> with our discussion. Yeah. And I've always been fascinated, uh, not at a young age, but but as I got older, I was fascinated with the history of this area and the history of not only um, Yorktown but also the people that settled here in during the Revolutionary War. And a lot of folks don't know. Um, my family came to Gloucester in 1970. My dad was uh, in, in banking with the State Corporation Commission, was an examiner, he traveled a lot, hated it, so he wanted to get in the <laughs> private sector, and there was a lot better money than working for the state, right, you know. Right. So, God bless him, he, there was a group of investors that, uh, that, that interviewed him and, wanted, and said they wanted him to, to start and run, be the operations manager and ultimately president of uh, Middle Peninsula Northern Neck Savings and Loan. Oh, so we came didn't here. Didn't know that. Yeah, we came here in 1970, and one of the first things that happened was my dad said uh, we're going to go meet some local folks that uh, that are very familiar with the area, and um, he is a this gentleman was a realtor, but he was also an appraiser, a real land appraiser, and did surveying, and his name was Blair Fahrenholt. I heard that name before. You probably have heard that name. So you can imagine with that meeting, and then his son, Bart, was my age. So we, uh, and I'd moved from Richmond and gone to a private school up there. He knew a lot of the families of the kids that I went to school with. And he said, well, you, know, you should come on down and, and spend the weekend down here with us. Oh, that'd be great. I was about 10 years old, and I think Bart was a year younger. Anyway, they had a flipper sailboat on the beach. What's a flipper? So a flipper was an eight-foot bathtub-looking thing. <laughs> Seriously. So think Opti kind think of Think Opti, but, but not as cool. <laughs> <laughs> that sentence might, might never have been said before. <laughs> it probably hasn't. It probably hasn't. But you have to be old like me uh, to, to be able to know probably what a flipper was. A flipper was literally, uh, uh, it had about an 8-inch gunnel on it. That's it. And literally just wide. If you, if you just imagine um, kind of a cutting a, a, a canoe in half and then spreading it wider. Okay. That's what this looked like with a flat back. Had a single sail, a teen rig sail. And so, I, I, I you know, I'd never seen a sailboat. And <laughs> I'd seen canoes and rowboats. So I asked Bart, I said, what is that? He goes, oh, that's my flipper sailboat. He said, you want to go sailing? I said, yeah, sure. You know, and literally that was the start of it. He put me in that boat and, and got, got in the water and I said, aren't you coming with me? Oh, no, no, no. Oh, Lord. Oh, yeah. So he pushed me off and I'm, I got the wind going and I'm going out there. It's terrific. And I'm going, okay, now what do I do? And he, he said, just turn around. <laughs> So you didn't skip anything in the story there, right? There was no there lesson was, no, before you no, went no. out. It was I like, have, I, hey, cool bathtub. I am there telling you, you the entire <laughs> episode the way it happened. And so finally, I get the boat, tried to get it turned around. The sail kept 
you know, going back and forth, hitting me in the head. <laughs> Fortunately, the boat was wide enough and just stable enough. It didn't fall out. Um, anyway, they, they, he, he had his little motorboat out there and came and got me and picked me up, towed me back in, and that was, that was my first experience. But I wasn't scared. At yeah, 10 years old, it didn't bother me. Right. You know, because I had, had a life jacket on. I said, I know how to swim. I mean, I'm not, you know, I know I can see where I'm at. So it, it just, from there, it just the, the interest sort of, you know, kind of was born, I guess. My father, uh, when he, after we moved into the York River house mm -hmm. uh, down at Bina, that was in 1971. We had rented up uh, at, at, at first when we okay. first came there. So that was a point of, of getting with the Fahrenholtz. But so we, we so we, anyway we move into the house that we'd found, which was down on, on the York River. Um, my father had a friend uh, that sold boats in Gloucester, and it was John Hudgens, and he was a car dealer, but now nah, but he'd gotten into selling boats and selling other things. So at the end of the year, he had a few sailboats that he hadn't sold. They were called Mayflowers. It was about a 12-foot boat, had a single lateen rig. It was made out of I think it was just a plastic and had had some heavy styrofoam in it and that was it a little a little centerboard and, and tiller so my father came home one day or i came home from school one day and there was this orange sailboat sitting in the yard and so i said what's what's the deal well john had a uh he had a basically a, a, a end of the year sale on these boats so i got a good deal on it <laughs> this would have been i want to say in, in early december Okay. okay. 1971. I heard that name too. Heard that name. Well, my father didn't want to wait for the instruction. He okay. decided that he could figure it out on his own. So on a February day in 1972, my father and I set out in the York River on this May, this little Mayflower sailboat against the wishes of my mother. And I, I kind of protested a little bit because I thought if we, if anything happens, I can tell you. The, the air may be a little warm, but the, yeah. the temperature of the water is going to be pretty bad. Yeah. Sure enough, <laughs> we get out in the middle of the York River and try to get this thing turned around. And and I don't know whether I went the wrong direction or my dad and the sail and anything. Anyway, we ended up in the water and not just flipped over, but turtled all the way over. So we're sitting on top of this boat, <laughs> sitting, bobbing in the middle of the York River in February. And fortunately, a friend of mine who happened to be on the dock, a girl I'd gone, I went to school with, saw us and told her dad he came out in his motorboat and towed us back in. In spite of ourselves, huh? We're going <laughs> to... In spite of ourselves. So that was my early, early experience with sailing. Not the best in the world, but I, but I was piqued enough in my, you know, in the interest of it. I said, I, I want to learn about this. You know, I really had an interest in doing it. And I, and. So that same year, my, my father had joined the Wherever Yacht Club, and they had already started their junior sailing program. So uh, back then, um, really wanted you to be 12 or 13 years old before you started. So I'd already gotten into Boy Scouts and was doing that. 
So by the time I was 13, I decided, yeah, I wanted, I wanted to go to sailing camp. So we did. So I went three years to sailing camp. And uh, I just loved it. I just fell in love with it. And um, we ended up getting a skipjack sailboat. We did some racing. My father, uh, by the time I was about 17 or 18, he started sailing with Harry. That would have been um, late 70s? Late 70s, okay. 78, 1978. Uh-huh. Well, there was a, uh, a boat that many of many of your listeners, I'm sure, would, would know, and that's the J boats. J24 was one of the initial boats that Ron Johnstone built up in New England. And it was a it was a Pearson Tilliston build, but he built the first one in his in his garage, right? And so Harry Sindel, who was friends with my dad, I mentioned earlier, they were sailing some together, and he wanted Harry to do a little bit of uh, I guess he he um, he wanted to test the boat out. So um, he test sailed, but Harry had been an Olympic sailor and flying Dutchman in 1960, uh, and was building boats for Gloucester, Newport, Lockley. And so he did some testing, and the, the boat, as everyone knows, the rest of the history, it just took off. Well, my father and Harry bought one, and one of the first production boats in 79, and they named it Gotcha, and they would race <laughs> it on the bay. Back then, it was MORC, you know, the Morse class, Midget Ocean Racing. Yeah. Where was the racing going on back then? So was it racing down Hampton, go- or? Yeah. They Hampton. were down this way, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Southern Bay. So Hampton did a lot of racing out of Hampton. Um, did a lot of racing in the York River. York River uh, had a Wednesday night series, a beer can series, and then they'd race win- on the weekend some. Uh, and there were several other cruising races. And then they had the Hampton to Annapolis race, which was the first big race I ever did. So I would have been, this would have been 78, so I would have been 17 years old. Uh, that summer, I sailed the boat from Hampton up to Annapolis with a crew of three other guys. On the on this twenty four. On the J twenty four. Yeah, that's that's a good run for a J twenty four. It's a real good run, especially when you're coming close to the shorelines and you see those pound nets at night. And you know, we did three and four hour watches, so we would shift two of us on, two off, and uh, it was interesting. So let's let's talk a little bit about that. We've covered a lot. I want to come back to to the names that you mentioned for those that don't recognize those names. So I'd, we'll come back to those names here in a little bit. Um, but let's talk a little bit about the J-24 experience up the Chesapeake Bay in the, you said, late 70s, 78? Yeah, 78. Okay, so, yeah. you know, that was pre-Navionics, pre-GPS, pre-lots of stuff, right? So yeah. so what kind of what kind of gear did you have on the boat? You had th- you and three others? So it was four, me and four, three and four of so us. So four sailors mm-hmm. on a J-24. Mm-hmm. What else did you have for the, the run up the bay? Because that's not, that's not a little jaunt. That's, no. that's, that's a ways. So what did you have? So we had Loran C, which if anybody knows Loran C, uh, you're better off with a compass <laughs> and a good pair of binoculars and a, and a spotlight. Was Lorancy the one that kind of triangulates? Yes. So it shoots up, it's got stations on shoreside, right? Yes. And, it, yeah. Anybody that's done any flying, if you've done flying, you do triangulation with ADG or with, uh, you know, with AM frequency. And it's the same kind of concept, really. You're, you're, you know, the, the, of course, it was managed by uh, the Coast Guard. Um, the Coast Guard would... Uh, you would manage the Lorancy stations, right? And uh, you had transmission points throughout the bay. And they would triangulate, like you said. 
but it never you you were never close i mean you 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 might be an eighth of a mile maybe a sixteenth of a mile that was good that was really good right so you use that as as a very generic guide you know but you didn't navigate that way you navigate with charts right you navigated with charts you navigated with uh with line of sight with with um with marks with navigational aids uh local aids excuse me um that sort of thing so uh, it, it was. It was interesting. We planned our route and mapped it out, and you would actually have a have a full chart and like an, in a way a chart, and you would uh, you would map it out, you know, point to point to point, um, uh, based on headings. Uh, if you had, um, you know, if you had certain times of the day, uh, based on when you left, you knew uh, on entrances to rivers based on the tide whether you were going to be into a into a head current or a trailing current you know that that factored into a lot of it too um so it was it was interesting i mean um we got up to annapolis i want to say it's 125 miles give or take so we were doing about six and a half knots in that boat um it went faster than most uh and so we i want to say we got up there in a day and a half you know so sailed overnight sailed uh, first overnight. time sailing overnight absolutely yeah absolutely it was different it was different um i i actually preferred being on the front watching with the spotlight yeah than being in the back of the helm i wanted to know what was coming up <laughs> you know first to know I right wanted the first to know and so it didn't bother me being up there you know yep. um but it was it was fascinating and so you know by this point i mean the bug had bit me i i uh, i just i just loved it and of course um, you know, still doing scouts and had a lot of different, it was, I was, I was playing tennis in high school and did all that. Uh, by the time, uh, so, so to finish that part of the story, right? So we get up to Annapolis and we pull into Spa Creek and the way this race went, you had a time section from the time you left Hampton. This is in the old days. You time you left Hampton to the time you got to Annapolis. Then they uh, everybody would would have a another start from Annapolis back to Hampton. Uh, it probably wasn't the next day. I don't recall. I didn't make that next trip. Yeah. I didn't make the return trip. My father came up with my mom. He got in the boat, and he made the return trip. She picked me up and took me home. Okay, so that's that's quite. A, and you say that was your first really big trip, yeah, right? My, so was, a lot of the rest of the stuff was. You know, dinghies in, in inland in the rivers and stuff. Had yeah. you been out to the bay in anything? Well, the only thing we'd been, only time we'd been out in the bay was when we sailed the. We would sail the Jay, of course. Yeah, it was it was here at uh, in Yorktown, near Yorktown at York River Yacht Haven, okay. in Gloucester. Um, Harry also moved it to his house. He lived on the Wilson on Wilson Creek, so he could he could put the boat at his house on occasion. But um, but yeah, we would make trips out into out in the Mob Jack, out into the bay, and out over to Cape Charles uh chris Good. field yeah okay. yeah we did some we did yeah. some day sales um and the boat was you know it was fast right so and not not accommodating so most you could really have my father would take a couple of friends with my mom sometimes mom went sometimes she didn't i was usually crew so right yeah so i got to spend a lot of time with older people i was around older pe people my parents age a lot a lot right. more than probably than most kids my age um, and I look back on that now, and it was it was interesting. I I, I wish I'd have paid more attention. 
sure <laughs> to people um you didn't realize you were learning lessons every time every, you went out every single time i learned lessons and you know the thing is that was 50 uh, almost 50 years ago uh, when i started it's been really that trip marks about now about 46 years ago and i still learn every single day i'm still learning and uh, it's one of the things i think that is fascinating about this about sailing about the sport it can stay with you forever right Literally forever. Just because uh, Bart took you out on the flipper. Just because Bart Farrell took me out on the flipper. <laughs> exactly. So uh, it's great memories, and uh, your dad, he's he's weaved into all these stories, kind of big influence on you. What was dad's yeah. name? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, you my, that. What my dad name? was Ben Garrett, and uh, I think most people that knew him would describe him as a character. <laughs> he was absolutely a character, and I've got some... I got some really funny stories around my dad and sailing. I mean, what's one? What's one that comes so to mind? I, the one that we told so often, and even when my father had passed, if we wanted a good chuckle about sailing, he had he had gotten me, uh, I guess, picked me up from school one day, and I was about um, I wasn't eighteen. I don't think I was. I was probably seventeen years old. And he had a friend of his named Ermont Williford. That was he had name. some good names back then. Didn't Isn't he? that crazy, Ermont <laughs> Williford? And I <laughs> remember that name. Ermont ran uh, a hardware store in Deltaville, um, and he was a jack of all trades. He he did that. I think he was in real estate. He did a bunch <laughs> of different stuff. Well, and again, all these people are a disclaimer. Yep. Most of these, all these people are dead now. Okay. So I'm not telling tales out of, uh, you know, out of school. Okay. Um, but but in order to to provide accuracy, I need to <laughs> to co to cover all aspects. Yep. So I'm just giving the disclaimer. Fair enough. So, so Ermont was married. Ermont had a uh, his wife lived in Kilmonarchs or Deltaville or Middlesex County somewhere. Well, my father picks me up school. I said, "Where are we going?" He goes, "We're going to Deltaville." Virginia, and we're going to go sailing on a French sailing sloop. Uh, a French okay. sailing sloop. You have my interest. Right. I said, oh, okay, that'll, that's cool. All right. So, so we're going to go to Taylor's restaurant and meet this gentleman, have a little dinner, and then he's going to take us sailing. Oh, okay, great. So what's the guy's name? It's Ermont Williford. Okay, all right. So we go meet the gentleman. We go down to... Uh, I believe it was at Dozier's. I believe he kept his boat at Dozier's, okay. uh, which is right off of Broad Creek, uh, Deltaville, right at yep. the end of the point near Stingray. Yep. And so we get on this boat, and it's a, it's slick. It's narrow, slick-looking boat. When I look back now, I think French sailing tube, I think it was a Beneteau. Oh, wee wee. You know, one of the, the, one of the production Frenchies. You're right. Um, so I, but I don't recall that. I don't recall <laughs> if it was, but I think it was. My father just wanted, you know, he had a way of embellishing. Right. And making things seem much more exciting than they were. Right. But anyway, so we go out there and there's, uh, we get on the boat and there is a girl on the boat. Okay. And it is not Ermont's wife. <laughs> Okay. But they are very close. And so, anyway, we head out. And as you can imagine, um, as, the, as the, the, the beer and the liquor <laughs> and everything, I'm sure there was wine, started to take its, take its effect on people. 
um, the conversation got livelier, and the, uh, it just it just was extremely entertaining uh, listening to this guy tell stories about his escapades sailing. Um, he'd sailed all over the East Coast and the Gulf, and he'd done quite a bit of sort of bit of cruising. And um, so it was just it was fascinating. I thought, man, that 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 just really appeals to me. So that know? kind of plant the seed a little yeah, bit further. So absolutely, that, yeah. And I'd never been. This was a thirty-five or thirty-six foot boat. So That's now, big. so it's the biggest boat I've been on. When you started on flippers, exactly. When you started on eight-foot flippers, and then you've migrated to, <laughs> you know, to some larger boats. But this is the biggest one to this yep. to this point. Yep. And I, I was fascinated how much room it had. You know, it was just. I mean, you could say wow, you really live on this. And right. so, again, more of that seed that gets planted, right? And so um, we're 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 out late, and and I'm thinking to myself, the sun's going down, and we're still out in the bay. Not a problem. So we come on and start heading on into the Rappahannock River. Off of Stingray Point, there's a gentleman anchored. And this is this is in the late summer, okay? There's a gentleman, uh, yeah, it's early fall. So it's fall. Yeah, I just started school, so it's fall. Guy's anchored in a pretty good-sized boat right off Stingway Point. So we're coming in, and you have to make a, a long cut channel to come into uh, Broad Creek. And so we're kind of coming close to fairly close to shore heading for the mark we're not 25 feet from this guy's boat when we're coming by and it's night so we got our lights on and all this stuff right this guy runs out of his boat starts screaming what the hell's going on what are you guys doing you're are you can you do you see me what are you what is like a midnight thrill you're giving me here <laughs> well Ermont looks over at the guy and starts speaking Chinese to him. <laughs> <laughs> like make-believe Chinese or like, like Chinese? No, no, yeah. make-believe Chinese. Oh, okay. So All next right. thing we know, he's just, the guy's screaming louder, and Ermont's going, Tong Hong Tang, you want to talk And this, every time he would say something, the guy would scream louder. We'd just blow by the guy. And, I mean, my father and I were just laughing. I, I mean, it just was hilarious. And he didn't give a, he didn't give a rat's butt about this guy. He just yeah. kept right on going. So yeah, we get past him, and he comes in. He, yeah, he'll get over it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Not, I'm, not a problem. I'm, so I'm he, Ermont on the French sailboat right. with my mistress. Exactly. You can't touch me. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and you know, I I look back on that now and think uh, that was just a uh, that was just a crazy uh, yeah. It was a crazy crazy event. But anyway, so we come on in, and and he's got his flashlight there, you know, and he's still at the helm. And he's, I mean, he's doing everything at once, you yeah, know, from the helm, and yeah, it was, it was interesting. Yeah, so, so kind of like Lorancy, the flashlight was probably not some ten million candle power LED all. thing like you can get nowadays. Not at all. No, not at all. Not at all. And I, d I don't rem remember anything happening, so it was pretty uneventful. We came in and died up to the dock, and it was all, yeah, it was all yeah, good. That's what we do. <laughs> that's what we, we sail. That's what we do. But That's anyway, it, it it just continued to to, uh, to reinforce you know my 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 love of the whole thing and and uh, it was yeah. It was you fun. think at that point you were you, you were a sailor by that point or or not yet maybe? Not yet. I, I mean I could sail the dinghies. You know I could sail yeah. our we had a skipjack like I said I could sail that stuff. But no I wasn't I wasn't ready for the I wasn't ready for that. No. No. Uh -huh. no. no. So skip skipjack is I. I, ha I hadn't heard of the I hadn't heard of the the flippers and I hadn't heard of the Mayflowers, but skipjack I've heard of. That was, that was one yeah. you threw out there. Yeah. But for those that aren't familiar with the skipjack, that was that was a pretty big class of boats, right? There's a yeah. 
That's an Olymp- That was an Olympic boat back in the day, was it? Um, Not, or, it was. Uh, it was competing for big the Olymp- one design. Fleet. Yeah, it was competing for Olympic class. And you had several back in the early seventies that were because this boat was built in the, really in the 60s, late fifties, sixties. Um, it was a guy by the name of Mormon that built the boat um, uh, at first, and then Harry Sindel, I think, built him as well at, at Newport Lockley. But it was a you know fifteen foot carried a spinnaker, low profile, um, very fast, planing hull. Um, and it competed with, um, I know the flying, you know, flying Dutchman class in those early early days, and then something called the Fireball, which is a little bit later. But um, and then the four that was about the same time the four seventy came along, late sixties, early seventies. So it would be in those class in that okay. class. Yeah. All right. So def- definitely a racing boat. Oh, was, yeah. uh, that Ab- was a, a high-tech machine Absolutely. back in the day. So tell us tell us a little bit about Harry Sindel. Introduce us to Harry Sindel. We've thrown his name out yeah. a few times. Well, Harry, as I mentioned, Harry was an Olympic sailor uh, in 1960, flying Dutchman class. He uh, grew up in New Jersey. I think he went to Rutgers. So he his, indu- his background was industrial engineering, but he got into, uh, he got into sailing and sailed all, pretty much all his life. And he came on board with uh, Lockley Newports, I, I would, I believe in the 60s, but they had an office, crazy as it sounds, in Gloucester, Virginia, and then one in Newport uh, Beach, California. Okay. Yeah. All and right. so, so that's, he would tr- make tra- trips back and forth uh, between the two. And back, back in those days, you know, Catalina was just getting started, Santa Cruz boats. There was a bunch of different boats that were built. Um, I, even the uh, there's one called the Bristol uh, Channel Cutter. Yes, built out there in California, and I believe they were in Costa Mesa. But there's a lot of um, you know the production side of the boat building industry was really getting started in the late 50s, early 60s, and a lot of it, of course, the introduction of fiberglass, right? And uh, it just it was just um, I just took off, and so. Um, Harry was building a bunch of different types of boats. He was building small little, uh, little racers um, like, uh, uh, like the Skipjack. And I'm not sure if he ever built Mobjacks or not. Um, he, did build a, um, he did build Buccaneers and, and Mutineers okay. at one time. Yep. He, he built those. Um, he built something called a Blue Crab. And not many people would remember them. They were 12-foot boats also, but they carried... A main, a traditional sloop brig main, and a jib, and had a little cutty in the front. Had nice seating. It was very accommodating for two people just to have a nice little day sail. For a twelve-foot boat, it was it was pretty roomy. Yeah. But it wasn't fast at all. It was just. That sounds was, like my kind of boat. Then. Yeah. It was just it was just a nice little in river day sailor. Yeah. You know, it was perfect. We had one of those at one point, I think. Um, and then uh, that was probably, I think we had a skipjack, um, excuse me, a, a, a blue crab between the Mayflower and the skipjack. And then we, for, for a few years, and then when I really got into, you know, doing more of the, the racing, then, then we got this, the skipjack. So Harry Sindel was the, uh, the Olympian, was building yes. sailboats in sleepy little Gloucester, Virginia. He was in Wearneck. Wearneck is that shop right on the on the left? Mm-hmm. Is that that was the property, right? That was the property. Yeah. yeah. It, it was Gloucester boats and then it was Lockley Newport boats. 
But yes, he was building boats uh, there for, I don't know how long, for 25 years maybe. Yeah. Um, he got into doing motor boats at one time, and then he built a couple of big Newport 27, 28. He built some big boats too. Um, not a lot of them, but a few. And I think most of those are for the West Coast. But he, uh, in the meantime, he's still sailing, so he's still racing. When my father and he purchased the J, they did the you know that that sort of uh, Morse class racing, the 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 keel boats, yep, and the midget ocean racing class. Um, and then they moved in the early '80s. Harry started building the Buccaneers, which was a Chrysler boat. Chrysler Manufacturing had the boat originally. And they had two different models. They had Mutineer, which is a smaller boat, and then Buccaneer was close to what is that, 18 feet? Yeah, they're pretty big. Pretty big. Um, so he started racing them, and he got my dad to be a crew. So in the early 80s, he and my dad were racing Buccaneers all over the place. I mean, take them to Florida for midwinters, take them to Michigan. In 1984, they won the national, won the worlds. Wow! In Michigan. In uh, I, I think it was, was that in a Buccaneer. Buccaneer, yeah. Yeah, I'm not. It wasn't Michigan. I take that back. I think they were they were held in Sarasota, okay, Florida. Okay. And so they won the worlds in 1984. Wow. And it, my father, biggest grin on his face, the, the 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 picture we have of him holding that trophy up, and you know it was it was a it was a proud moment for for, for yeah, dad. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And That's of course, fantastic. of course, he would say that most any, a monkey sailing with harry probably have done the same thing but yeah. you know he was uh he, he probably didn't give himself enough credit but um but he did and from a for a guy who learned very late in life uh he was very competitive and but he just loved it and he and harry um were very good friends remained friends until he passed away until my father passed away first in 2015 and then harry passed away of course just a yep. few years ago recently yeah yeah yeah, well, that's uh, you, so. Your history in sailing goes right along with the the history of sailing in Gloucester County. That's some big, big names, and uh, yeah, I don't know how many people realize uh, how big a deal sailing was in this this area right here. Um, you know, we talked about this a couple of years ago. We 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 were on uh, the Shooting the Breeze podcast with Jeff Wedig. Oh he yeah, came down right, and we right. talked a little bit about. Um, how how there's kind of sailing interest seems to have tailed off. You know, I've talked several times about the fact that you go out on the weekend, and we're, we're in prime sailing ground here. Uh, we're we're right next to the Chesapeake Bay. Mm-hmm. We got all these rivers that are big big rivers, big enough rivers you could sail up and down them, and, and uh, then we've got the Mobjack Bay, and then of course down Hampton Roads and the yeah. Eastern Shore. There's, still, I mean, the sailing ground around here is fantastic, and you can go out on a weekend and maybe see one other boat. What was it like back in the '70s and '80s? So that's a great question. It was a, it was very active. It was very active, especially among the the smaller, I call them collegiate style racers. You know, the two yep. person, right? I mean. I, and, and we've talked about the, the Governor's Cup race, of course, and which was the annual event that Ware River picked up. It started here, and actually on the York River okay. in 1964, um, but then it migrated, of course, over to Ware River when they bought that property in 71. But, I mean, back then, Scott, it wasn't anything to see 125 boats at the Governor's Cup or more, maybe yep. 150 in the late 70s. And that's... 
three times what we see nowadays. Correct, three yeah. times. But on the York River, growing up on the river, a lot of large cruisers. People would come, um, you know, if they were migrating up from, from uh, the Carolinas or from down in Florida, if they were making the trek up. Um, I, like I said, having grown up right off the York River in, in Bina, Gloucester Point, I would go, um, I had friends on the Sarah's Creek, and we'd go hang out there all the time. And I had a little boat that I'd, you know, uh, with a little four-horsepower Johnson on the back. I'd run yep. up the creeks, you know, and see. And it wasn't anything to see these large uh, double-masted, triple-masted wow. uh, schooners come up. Yeah, come up into uh, one of the NT head piers on York River Yacht Haven. And they were coming from, I mean, we saw stuff from Australia. We would see boats from Panama. And they were making their way north. Um and, you know, you don't think about it as a kid. I mean, it's just right. interesting, right? Yeah. But, you know, uh, I look back now as I think as I think about some of those boats, the the uh, you know, the trips they must have taken, you know, especially back then. I mean, to navigate, circumnavigate from from Australia or, New, you know, New Zealand um, all the way up uh, around, you know, around the Horn and then come on up the coast and come – I, most of these boats went inside. They were too big to go intercoastal, so they were ocean sailing blue water, blue water boats, and it was just fascinating. There was one I'll never forget. It was called Pied Puffin. Huh. The Pied Puffin was about 90 feet, and it was a privately owned. Uh, it's like a schooner almost, three masted, and when it would leave out in uh, from York River Yacht Haven. And it did have a big old inboard diesel, and that thing would smoke. You could see it <laughs> fired up; it smoked. But we used to watch it when it would come out, and it'd get out into the river, and start to pull up all its sails. And uh, you know, it was just it was it was just fascinating to watch. And uh, it was right there, you know, yeah. right in front of me. And I could watch boats from my house on the York River. I could see these boats coming all the time. So I was always exposed to it, you know. And uh, we'd go down, and every once in a while, you know, as kids, we'd, we'd go down to York or Yacht Haven, and we'd, we'd see if we couldn't, you know, talk to somebody on the boat, see if we couldn't get a tour. Every once in a while, somebody would let us on and show us around. That's great. It was. It was yeah. really cool. So I was so, I didn't realize how blessed I was. Right. Being here, you know, and, yep. and, and seeing some of this stuff, so. So, so when did, uh, so you had the background, you know, kind of, you kind of lucked into getting into sailing, just, you know. Maybe how lots of us do, right? You just, just <laughs> I got thrown you, you in the boat. Ended literally. up on a boat. You you, <laughs> you survived flipping over uh, on the Mayflower. It was a Mayflower, right? Right. In the York River in right. in February. I I don't want to go into water right now. No. Uh, yeah, it's cold. But anyway, um, no. Where I was going with that is is do you do you remember a particular time? Is there a point in time where I I mean I know at the beginning it was like you know you got out there and I like this sailing thing right that, yeah. that, that connection to it but was there a time where you realized you had become a sailor or sailing was your thing when did it become your thing is there any moment in time or did it just kind of evolved and here we are or how'd that happen yeah you know I I really thought thought about uh thought about that because you and I had, had kind of discussed some of that too based on how you got started yep. and, and which is I think is also interesting um, I think that the thing that made the difference was when uh, I had I had kids that that now were starting to get interested in the water 
And my my son, who uh, probably we put him on a boat early, not on a sailboat, but on a fishing boat. Yep. And so we did a lot. I did a lot of fishing as well. I had a, had a little center console, and he loved it. And so um, I said, "Well, maybe would you like to try sailing?" Oh yeah, yeah. So by the time he was probably five or six, we'd put him on on, on some sailboats, and I can't remember the. F- the first one, little one we bought, it may have been an Albacore in Richmond off, off of Brandon, Lake Brandon Mill. And he loved it. I mean, he just loved boating, period. And right. But he also loved sailing. Not as much as me, but he would love to, he loved to go. And so when the kids started getting a little older, we started putting them in sailing camp. And I said, I, I'd like to buy a bigger boat. I think I'm ready now to, to buy something bigger. So the first boat that I bought was... Um, uh, 25 and a half foot 25 five hunter and I bought it from Norton's I had a center console and I traded that center console with Carolyn her she was Carolyn Norton became Carolyn Smallenberger but her father had started Norton's in the 40s so he was like one of the premier boat guys yep. boat deals right big boat and so she had a 25 five hunter and it was perfect so I traded my boat and got that 2500 and we put it down, um, I put it at uh, Queens Creek in Matthews. Okay. Now, my parents had left Gloucester uh, in New York River in the, probably in the late 70s, early 80s, and moved, built a, built a house on the Pianca Tank. So they were in Matthews, not far. Yep. So we were living in Richmond, and we would go down on the weekends, and... Uh, my this, my ex-wife at the time, my first wife, my ex-wife at the time, was uh, okay with it. You know, she could take it or leave it. She loved the water and loved yep. being out there. Not really a sailor. Um, she uh, she went along with it for me, I guess. Um, so that was in, I would say that was in the early 90s. And that was really when I think, that officially, I, I said, okay, um, this is something I want to do okay. for the rest of my life. I want to be a big boat owner now. Okay. Okay. Yep. So that was the point. Probably 90. I want to say it was around 90, uh, 90 or 91. Yeah. The, so the kids how were long young. do you have that boat? So we had that boat two or three years. Um, and, uh, well, probably longer than that. Probably four or five years. Probably four or five years. Well into where my kids were now starting to do sailing camp. Okay. So in the 90, I would say 98, 99, my son, uh, 98, my son started sailing camp. He did it for three years. My daughter didn't have an interest. The oldest one uh, never really had an interest in it. So my son did, and then my youngest daughter did one year. Yep. Didn't, wasn't really her thing. So, okay, no problem. So uh, probably along around 98, we ended up uh, moving again uh, to another house in Richmond and unfortunately <laughs> uh, I went through a divorce yep. and so we started liquidating assets and yep. so, I, so the boat went right um, and I ended up buying a, a house out in Brandon Mill and I thought about getting a little boat since I was right there that I could sail out in Brandon Mill um, ended up not doing it got got uh, so a couple of years go by got uh, divorced we ended up getting divorced and probably in 2001, um, I met my current wife now. We dated for two years. And this is, this is an interesting story how this happened. So now, I'd never discussed with my current wife, Jean, about sailing. I told her that I loved boating. She knew that. We went to the Bahamas 
on our honeymoon. And so I was, at the time, I was working for an equipment company based out of Newcastle, Delaware. And I was traveling up there all the time. So I was literally burning up the highway between there and I covered down as far as uh, Charleston, South Carolina. Well, I don't know where I found this or picked it up, but I I was looking at a spin sheet or something (laughs) and they had a bunch of boats that had come up for sale. And this was right after uh, Isabel. So all these boats that had been in the water were put on the hard for the storm. A lot of them never got put back in. And there was a bunch that would come up for sale. So I was looking through and I found an S2. This would have been 2003 or four, probably 2004. I found an S2 uh, for sale in Yankee Point. And I was driving back from Newcastle and I said, I'm gonna detour and go over to, uh, to Yankee Point, which was in Whitestone. Yep. And so I go look at the boat and they were asking like 35 grand for this S2. It was a 30, 9.2A. So it was the, had the wheel, aft cabin. Uh, it was in really great shape. It needed a bunch of, you know, it needed a bunch of cosmetic stuff and just hadn't been uh, taken care of. But, but uh, the, I could tell structurally the boat was fine. So the, the gal that had the boat uh, said, just throw a crazy offer at it. It's two guys up in Richmond, two professors at VCU. They just want to get rid of it. I said, yeah, but I don't. I, I mean, you know, I, the, my price is going to be really stupid. She said, go for it. <laughs> so I did. I literally, I quoted. I, 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 I think I threw a twenty thousand dollar number at them, and they took it. I said, oh crap! Now what do I do? <laughs> now you got a boat. Now I got a boat, and I got to find out what. And and I haven't told my wife. You haven't told your wife. Were you still living in Richmond at the time? I was time? still so living in Richmond. And you're traveling all the time. And I'm traveling. Yeah, great plan. Yeah. Buy a boat. Not a good plan. <laughs> Not a good Jim hasn't learned much. No. But let me tell you, again, the good Lord was watching out for me is all I can say because I go home and after the gal calls me and tells me, hey, they took your offer, they accepted your offer. I'm going, Whoops. Oh, uh-oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. <laughs> um and so I, I thought, well, based on probably the, the, the best order of sequence of, of how to handle this now would be, number one, tell my, my new that wife. Sounds like a good start. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I thought so, too. Yep. I didn't want to continue to make a bunch of stupid mistakes. So right. the first thing I did was I said, okay, Jean, um, hey, have you ever been sailing? <laughs> and she says, yeah, I did. I went sailing in 1975 and or 76 at at camp we went on a uh like a sunfish or a hobie cat yep like one of the little hobie cats oh okay great did you like it i can't remember (laughs) (laughs) okay well um so (laughs) i i wanted wanted to share with you that i i found the sailboat and it's a really nice sailboat so i put i you know i put on my salesman's cap yeah right and i mean i was selling hard and I said, so we, we bought this boat. She goes, what do you, what do you, what do you mean? We <laughs> I said, yeah, we bought a 30-foot 30 30 uh, S2 sailboat. Oh, okay. And when, when were you planning on telling me this? I said, I'm telling you now. Yeah, planning on telling you right now. <laughs> this is the plan. This is as far <laughs> as it went. <laughs> she, so, and, you know, we were fairly newly, newlyweds, so she wasn't too upset with me. Um, anyway, fast forward, I, I get the boat. Uh, in the water, get it ready to sail. My father helps me move the boat. I found a spot at Stingray Harbor uh, Yacht Club. 
In Deltaville? In Deltaville. And we moved it there. And uh, a friend of his that he'd grown up with, he was a sailor, came along. And, uh, yeah, we moved the boat. And um, the first time I got Jean down there and got her on it, she fell in love with it. She absolutely fell lucky, in love with it. I can't, I, I got to tell you, man, I look back <laughs> on that whole thing and I'm thinking just, you know, God, God looks after fools and, and, uh, um, and young, young children, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> fools I, I and felt sailors. Like fools and young sail and sailors, but, um, I felt like a little bit of both at yep. the time, but, but she fell in love with it. And that was our first real, you know, I mean, I call I, the the 2500 was a, was a good sized boat, but this yep. is a 30 footer. Now I'm yep. stepping up, right? Yep. And so we took that boat everywhere. We literally went went all we went to the eastern shore. We went to St. Michael's. We went to Crisfield. We took it up to Annapolis with a with our cruising group. At Stingray Harbor had a had a a pretty active group, and that group um, it was another huge blessing. Uh, Donnie Hatchett was one of the guys he was an electrical contractor in richmond but he w put all these trips together along with a few other guys carl uh, carl hawking uh, um, uh hawkings yeah carl hawkings uh, and they were just wonderful people so we got plugged in and to that to the sailing community right yep and so from 2004 to 2008 we sailed all the time. The kids loved it. Jean's girls, my stepgirls loved it. We did a ton of overnight trips. Um, and so now... That'll be a wrap for part one of my conversation with Jim Garrett. Join me in episode eight where we'll continue the conversation. We'll talk a little bit more about some of the contemporary sailing that Jim's done in recent years. Thank you so much to Jim for being a gracious host down on his beautiful boat, Patriot. As always, follow us on the blog, follow us on Spotify or Google Podcasts or iTunes, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to this. Like and share, follow the Facebook page. Shoot me a note, scott at stmbpodcast.com. Be glad to hear from you. If you're interested in getting together for an interview, let me know. I'd love to get everybody's story. And the Chesapeake Bay keeps her secrets. Under the slow-rolling waves What the salt and the sand never reaches Time will carry you away Carry you away